Today on The Topping Show, Disney has a drag queen selling to little girls, Trump vs. DeSantis continues, AOC imposter is winning Twitter, EU to give more ammo to Ukraine, Target boycott continues, Dollar General and Advanced Auto Parts both miss their earnings, Toyota also is increasing their investment in EV batteries in the United States, and Salesforce grows their Q1 revenue but warns of a slowdown in the economy. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-add research service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you need a little assistance with your IT, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Dollar General. They missed their earnings expectations. The general is wounded. Will he get back up? Now, the stock tumbled not just single digits, but double digits, 20% upon this news. And they also scaled back their year revenue goal, or their outlook, rather. So their fiscal cable revenue was still astonishing in terms of a lot of people don't realize how much money a dollar store makes. Because it's just like McDonald's, it's massive volume. And their cable revenue was $9.34 billion. That's a lot of inventory being moved. Now, they expected, however, $9.46 billion. So that's not too good, especially because that's one of the biggest things Wall Street looks at is, can you meet or greatly, can you even exceed our expectations to make us more interested in it so that we invest even more into your business? Now, that sounds pretty bad and dreary. The silver lining is, though, Compared to the same fiscal quarter last year, last year their fiscal quarter result was $8.8 billion in revenue. So the company is still growing overall. Granted, there's probably some inflation, so now that I think about it, it might be worth the the money's basically worth nothing these days, so they might be going out of business. No, I digress, but not too much. Now, the CEO of Dow General, Jeff Owen, he said that the macroeconomic quote environment has been more challenging than expected particularly for our core consumer unquote which does make sense if you look at the items that people are purchasing there and where their margin or the most profitable items that they sell are it's usually not in the essentials and when i say essentials i know i have to redefine this since most americans think that their wants are needs and of course it's not true when i say essentials i mean food water, shelter, the essentials that humans need for since the dawn of time. Now, those items move pretty frequently in most grocery stores, most convenience stores. Think of your instant dinners, your snack. I guess snacks aren't necessary, but you could make a meal out of some beef jerky, some might say. So those items are still moving pretty consistently at the Dollar General. However, a lot of the more profitable items, the you say the consumables, the pseudo disposable things that aren't really necessary for your life. Think of like the brake cleaner for your car, little cans of, um, little armor all cans of spray crap that they have there, which does hit that price point. But if you get the dollar or the price per ounce of those materials, it's usually better just buy in bulk. However, a lot of people go for the cheap price point because the upfront cost is much less. Now, those item sales seem to be decreasing. And you're seeing this in a lot of other similar stores as well. Now, 
given the convenience and the business model of the Dollar General and the concept of what they provide to the consumers, I don't see them going away anytime soon since they provide an essential part of the economy in terms of they provide the lowest price point for most goods and services. Well, goods, I don't know if they sell services yet, but the audience is still there and there's not a lot of competition. The industry is kind of bifurcated. There's really two competitors these days in that category. So overall, I think they'll be better than the rest. Now, the, that can't be said for the next topic. You have advanced auto parts. They missed their earnings as well, or their expected earnings rather. So their fiscal Q1 earnings goal, they missed it and their stock went down about 39% in five days. Now, more concerning if you own that stock, they reduced the dividend from $1.50 per share to $0.25 cents per share. Basically, that's nothing. Now, one of the most important things of a publicly traded company that investors look for are dividends. That's one of the reasons people love ExxonMobil stock because they consist, no matter what is happening in the economy, no matter what is happening on their fiscal books, they've never missed a payment for giving their shareholders a dividend. A dividend is being literally rewarding you for holding onto their stock. It's what some people buy stocks solely on that single factor alone. It speaks to the stability of the company as well as reinvesting and rewarding the shareholders. Alter alternatively, some shareholders think you should put every penny back into the company, which could help long-term if you want to sell the stock. Different methodologies, but nevertheless, it is important for many people. So imagine having, even if you have, so that means if you have one share stock, you're expecting $1.50, now you're getting a quarter, which is technically still enough to buy a gumball. Although inflation is so bad, I've seen gumball machines that take 50 cents, so they take two quarters to buy a gumball. I mean, that speaks volumes about the U.S. economy as well as the hyperinflation. Back in my day, it was a quarter. I still actually have a blockbuster gumball machine from the, I guess that's the 2000s era, and that still takes a quarter. But again, this is my own environment. So another concern is for the advanced auto parts. So they're decreasing the rate at which they're opening up stores in new locations. Their plan for the year was to open 60, 80 new stores. They're now scaling that back to 40 to 60 stores. But the real issue with advanced auto parts is the concept of the business. They are going to be decimated in the next maybe decade because of EVs or electric vehicles. If you go to an advanced auto parts store or any auto zone, whatever convenience O'Reilly's, those convenience automotive stores, a lot of the things they sell are core things for gas powered vehicles. Think of the traditional lead acid battery that goes into them. You have the oil changes, transmission fluid changes. There's a lot of things. And of course, the myriad of spare parts. Now, EVs is a double whammy. Not only do electric vehicles not have certain components that you need to replace, but their whole ecosystem of the parts are completely different than the rest of the traditional automotive community, automotive industry. I mean, you have AC Delco being one of the largest car parts manufacturers supporting General Motors previously a spinoff of that company. But that means rudimentary speaking, if you have a GM, you know, maybe a 1997 Corvette or, you know, Cobalt, Chevy, whatever have you, you can go to any one of those different stores and they all have those parts. There's not a monopoly on those parts. Third parties make them. When it comes to EVs, one of the best use cases being Tesla, they don't send you parts to replace. They don't send you, they don't want you to do your own maintenance. They, Rich Rebuilds is a great YouTube channel where he documents his whole process of restoring a Tesla Model S and he couldn't get parts shipped from the manufacturer. He had to go to salvage yards to get spare parts. 
And there's two reasons for that. One is because the production is so intense, it just doesn't make fiscal sense for the company to make spare parts when they need the parts for new vehicles. But also, it's the control in the whole ecosystem. Think of an iPhone. Or, I was about to say Android, but that's, they're pretty fair, the third party. But it's about control of the whole ecosystem of the product life cycle. So what, what else could they sell? What, what's their long-term plan? You could sell windshield wipers until Tesla comes out with a proprietary little hook or something that so you can't actually take yours off. But you have windshield wipers, air fresheners, cleaning products, okay. But that is that enough to sustain a business where they have thousands of locations, a lot of overhead for employees, you have back-end logistics, infrastructure, the shipping, the warehousing. Are those few categories enough? You're not going to be, replace, be able to replace an EV battery, certainly not an advanced auto parts store. Those things weigh and cost more than the price of the vehicle. That's why they're making the, that's why the de facto insurance company policy for EVs are usually a write-off. It's not worth paying to get it fixed. Just scrap it, unfortunately. Now, time shall tell to see what an advanced auto parts does, but the concept's in trouble. It's not just missing earnings by a little bit. It's a long-term vision the new CEO really need, or the CEO really needs to think about is what are they going to do in the future? Are they going to extend into a new category? As more and more people use ulterior modes of transportation, are they going to try to work directly with Tesla and the other automotive manufacturers who might benefit from the at least the storefronts and the physical locations? But Again, that means the manufacturer is also losing out of revenue, losing out of control of the life cycle of asset management of the vehicle. Now, better business news, you have Salesforce knocking out of the park with their Q1 growth. They had an 11% increase in their fiscal Q1, which equated to $8.25 billion. Now, they were expected to only make $8.18 billion, which... It's pretty impressive for the most premium CRM or customer relationship management platform. Uh, think of it basically Salesforce. That's a good way to equate. How do you use it? A shop, a long-term shopping list for repairing a house. Maybe you have to have multiple materials or building house. Maybe because you have to buy multiple products. You have multiple multiple parties that are involved. It helps you keep track of all of your projects and all the materials for projects and all of your customers. And there's great ways to filter it. The IT company that I own, Topping Technologies, we use that for our CRM. A lot of people say it's overpriced. It is a premium price. Uh, we chose it specifically because one of our contractors and I had experience from working at a traditional manufacturer. I used to work at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and that was a de facto there, so I already knew it pretty damn well from an interface of using it directly as well as pulling reports. So, learning curve is a real thing and is a great product. So, we choose to pay a little bit more for that solution. And it's interesting that more and more people are still buying it, even when it's you know hyperinflation and a lot of economic downturn, and the CEO is pretty transparent. They're, they are trying to grow in other areas. They bought out Slack brilliantly, which is a communication company, and they are also investing $250 million in AI. But even though all that said and done, they're still noting that they're concerned about the economy, as they should be because businesses will go out of business, unfortunately. Companies will have to make cuts. It'll be interesting to see how many businesses may run a roll of dice and pay an ungodly amount of money to actually move your data to a new CRM. A lot of these solutions are very sticky in terms of once you buy it, you tend to use it for years, you accumulate your data, and to actually pay to have a third party actually push it to a new system is usually cumbersome. 
it's usually prohibitive and the easiest thing to do is just click the renewal button. And of course, all employees already know how to use the darn thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to try to grow and develop even in the sight of all the economic uncertainty. Now, going back to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney allowing a man to dress as a woman greeting children at Disneyland. So this was kind of something that everyone should have seen coming in terms of they announced last year that instead of having a fairy godmother, quote unquote, they're going to change that because that, that term is pejorative towards people who are not mothers, apparently. Pejorative meaning it's not inclusive, so they have to think of a new term. The new term they came with last year was apprentice. And they said that's going to be more inclusive for people that don't identify with their genders and that type of thing. So they did announce this last year. So I think there's a big difference between seeing words and actually seeing the images. Now, this is a man with a mustache dressed up in a dress and with makeup working at a Disney store called Bibbidi Bibbidi Bobbidi, which is ridiculously it's a good, I don't know if it'd be a good Scrabble word, but it took me a couple times to type that out to get the dang thing right. Now, the video of him interacting with children has been seen 7.6 million times, facing a lot of backlash, being ratioed, as the youth might say, in which a phenomenon in which the original video has more people critiquing it, more people liking the critique than the actual first posted of itself. And the only silver lining that I could say I admire in Disney is that they're selling dresses for 250 American dollars. And those dresses are not made in America. They are made in countries that have much more attractive price points for labor. Americans get what you vote for. That's one of the reasons more jobs have left than we can possibly count, especially manufacturing. So the profit margin on that dress has got to be pretty damn good. And again, it brings forward the situation where culturally people are starting to push back because you're introducing kids to sexual sexual themes at inappropriate times I think parents are just, parents have had enough. Imagine going to that and you have your little daughter goes, Mommy, Daddy, why, why is the princess have a mustache? That means you have to sit down and tell them. It opens up a whole can of worms, it's not, can, can of worms and topics that are not appropriate for their age. And I think you're going to see more and more people saying, do I really want to support this company while at the same time introducing my child to concepts that are not age appropriate, also, Disney does not have a great track record when it comes to child predators. That's a, another interesting, fun fact about Disneyland or Disney World. I forget which one of which. But you're spending thousands of dollars to go to those places. Do you really want to? You're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars, and you're in, and it's just you're making an awkward conversation, an awkward experience. Is it really worth it? Personally, I would say absolutely not. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but Thanks, hyperinflation. Now, fun, funny or interesting cultural news, AOC imposter is winning on Twitter. Now, there's a new Twitter user by the name of at AOC Press, P-R-E-S-S. This user got more than 300,000 followers in a couple days. And they're pretty blatant and they follow the Twitter guidelines where they have parody in the title. So if you go to the profile, they'll say parody, but the profile picture was the same and then the background picture was the same and they paid for a blue check mark something I might, I should probably do, maybe, so I get more clicks, likes, and all that kind of stuff and actually get an ROI from advertising the podcast and the business on that platform. But it was something where it's so similar to the original post, some people weren't getting the differences. And the things that this person is tweeting is so similar to the Rio AOC 
there are people who are having doubts on which one is which until they actually click the profile. And some of the best tweets this person has done is, quote, printing money is the best way out of inflation, unquote. Which is hilarious because that's what a lot of people in politics think. Just print money and it'll solve the problem. Most people are also known as uneducated morons or someone who's never taken a basic economics class, which granted these days public schools, unfortunately, probably knows. But you also have other funny quirks or funny tweets like, I understand the common people and how much they suffer. Before I bartended, I was fired from the M&M plant for throwing out the W's. Which, that was... That was very entertaining. That that had thousands of people like uh, hearting it, I guess is what you say on Twitter, where you click the heart button. And then one of my other favorites was, I'm sorry I was gone for six hours. I was trying to figure out how to use a garbage disposal, unquote. And it got even more hilarious when both Elon Musk and the real AOC interacted with the parody account, thereby giving them hundreds and hundreds of thousands more followers. Before they this person had the interaction with Elon and AOC, they had about 100,000 people following that profile. And then within 24 hours of Elon and AOC interacting with that one, went up by 200,000. Not to toot my own horn, but I do have 231 followers on the Twitter. At Nick Topping, because some bastard took the at Topping, and Elon won't respond to me saying I'd love that. Nevertheless, interesting. This is also an interesting cultural phenomenon. It brings about the age-old theory of the Streisand effect. Now, the Streisand effect is a phenomenon which an attempt to censor, hide, or remove information results in a greater spread of the information in question. Now, this specifically was named after American singer and nose job botch, I mean actress, uh, Barbara Streisand. She had a lawsuit against a photographer by the name of Kenneth Adelman back in 2003 because the photographer took a picture of her house and she didn't want, and they were going to put it on the internet and she was suing so that people wouldn't know where she lived. And ironically enough, now that's the main people, th- main thing people know about her is that she lives at that house at that location and she does not want you knowing that. An interesting cultural phenomenon, to say the least. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Trump and DeSantis going back and forth. Their, their rivalry begins to blossom and grow. Now, for most of his career, DeSantis has long ignored Trump. Trump, Trump usually is better at the marketing in terms of his funny names that he likes to give his political opponents. It kind of fell flat on his face when he said Ron DeSanctimonious, which there's so much more material he could work with. Perhaps we should have a category, the political blunder of the day, some might say, but it didn't really land. There's a lot of other things. I mean, low energy Jeb for Jeb Bush, that was pretty accurate. As far as Trump didn't try to correlate that with DeSantis's speech where he announced he's running for presidency. And he sounded about as energetic and as enthusiastic as Joe Biden, which, again, if you're going up against him, you should probably have a little bit more huxpa or a little bit more energy than him. So you have DeSantis actually starting to answer questions. So specifically, a reporter came up and started asking about Trump. And instead of kind of walking away from the conversation or steering in a different direction, Ron actually answered the question head on, very rare for a politician, and They specifically said, you know, hey, this is over in Rochester Thursday afternoon. They said, Trump has already had a chance to fix the nation's problems. And they asked him, you know, what is he going to do? And Ron DeSantis said, well, why didn't he do it in his first term, unquote. And it's interesting to see this different political tactics. Now, 
That is a good question. Many would say most politicians are too scared to the first term because they're all betting on getting the second term. That's when you see consistently Republican and Democrat, that's where they make most of the more radical changes, whether it was Obama or Bush. That's usually when it happens in the second term because they know they can't legally get a third term until they rewrite the rules as politicians like to do. So that's usually when you see most of them. Now, Trump, on the other hand, with his latest political activities, he's starting to highlight religion, which in terms of political strategy and moral strategy is a good idea given the amount of persecution these days in the United States. It seems like the only group you're allowed to make fun of or persecute or unfairly target these days, unfortunately, are religious people. Now, I don't think anyone should be unfairly targeted in any way in the United States. But considering a country that was founded on freedom of religion and by religious men, one would think society would have more respect for religious institutions, religious people. But unfortunately, it's quite the opposite these days, and they're the butt end of most jokes and political prosecution. Now, this is Trump during a recent interview where he went back to Audia, or went back to uh, Iowa to speak with some folks. Let's see what he says here. And we have to bring religion back into our country because that's something that's... That's something that is, as you know, it's under, uh, it's under attack. A lot of us are under attack, and we, uh, we're not going to, we're going to win. We're going to win big. We're going to win bigger than ever before. Just, uh, Which is very true. I mean, you have the instance where a father and son were praying outside of a Planned Parenthood institution. Well, institution is a, probably not an accurate term for what they do, but they're staying out there praying, handing out materials to women as they try to go there and give them some information. Now, ironically enough, people on the left say, you know, they don't, Republicans want banned books. They're literally giving books and literature to these women. I digress. But someone who was opposing him actually started yelling at him in front of his son, yelling at his son. This man shoved that person. He should have punched him, but that's just my three cents. He was sued. Now, the local DA and local prosecution said, hey, you know, we're not going to press charges. We know this guy was harassing your son, teaching your son swear words. And... They decided to drop the case, all charges. Now, the weird thing about abortion and the topic is it's a federally protected thing. So you have to be a certain equal distance around those zones in those places. And there are also protections of you cannot be in a certain area handing out materials. So they were at that appropriate area. But, you know, they dropped the case. Then we say the feds decided, let's let's look into this. So I believe he said 15 marked and unmarked FBI vehicles went to this man's house with guns drawn, knocked on the door, did not say who they were, and they basically kidnapped him at gunpoint. When the wife said, what do you do? You know, he opened the door very, he was not very, he was not aggressive in any which way. He just says, hey, be careful. I have seven babies here. You know, what's going on? And they say, well, you're coming with us. And the wife goes, do you have a warrant? The FBI said, he's coming with us, warrant or no warrant. And this was just meant to send a clear message to religious people and pro-life people that they will prosecute you unfairly, they will target you, and they will destroy your life if you dare show a semblance of your beliefs. Does that sound fair? When has that ever happened to someone on the left? I'm waiting for an example. It's been years. I've yet to find one. So Trump is smart to use that political... It's, it's not just a political tool or a chess move, but it is a real thing that's happening in the United States. And... If you look at all the trends in the United States, the less religion, I can't help but think there's a correlation between the all the broken households, increase in drugs, increase in criminal activity. 
I don't think it's a positive thing for society. Even if you don't believe in religion, you could, I think most rational people can certainly acknowledge the positives of it. Most people, I think, would realize that it gives you a, su a superb, superior DNA or roadblock or building blocks upon young people to build into contributing members of society. It's, it's like the golden rule 2.0, some might say. Now, other political news, you have the European Union diverting more funds to give ammo to Ukraine. Now, I usually make fun of acronyms, I know. This one actually is, is pretty good. Now, this acronym is the Act in Support of Ammunition Products. And, of course, that acronym is ASAP, which most people know as, as soon as possible. Now, this is kind of clever because, well, as soon as possible, that's when they're supposed to get the ammo. It's going to take quite some time. But the European Union Parliament voted in favor of a proposal to divert funds towards ammo production increase and procurement. Some are criticizing it because that's taking money away from green projects. I don't mean fiscally green projects because those don't really exist yet with the current technology. It's pipe dreams and things like windmills that are not fiscally in any way attractive or a good ROI and actually cause many birds to die and actually they're not that great for the environment. But they look good and you think it's green, so people buy into it. I actually wrote a whole high school report on the ROI of a windmill and yeah, most of them are losing money. Now, it's another, when they expanded, they said it's another step towards using the EU budget for defense purposes despite expenditure arising from operation having military or defense implications, it's technically banned by EU treaties. So funny, it's a uh, whole world versus Russia, where is your money going or where are you placing your bet? Now the ASAP takes 240 million euros from last year's proposal and uses 500 million from the EU's budget on boosting joint weapons procurement and combines it with another yet 260 million of existing EU defense funds towards the production and procurement of more ammunition and missiles. This also arises from the whole continent pretty much not spending any money on defense for the past decade and a half or more, which ironically Trump did warn them not to be dependent on Russian oil and actually, you know, have a defense for your country. Probably a prudent idea, but they laughed at him and now they're behind. They're giving away their stockpiles, so if you're playing the board game Risk, it might be a good time to move in since, well, it's also France, it's pretty easy to walk over them, but Nevertheless, the whole, the, the whole European area is now depleted of many of their weapons and need to ramp up these production because, again, some of them had defense industries and manufacturers, but they weren't actively putting a... They really weren't investing too much into them. So time shall tell to see how that pans out. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, perhaps the year contender, you have the target boycott continuing... And they're demanding that white women work against racism. That's not a joke. That's actually happening. Now, the stock is down $12.7 billion. So $12.7 billion of value just erased in five days. It's about 10% of their stock's valuation. Now, their stock is going down. It's the longest losing streak in 23 years. And JP Morgan just downgraded them because of that. So they're now a neutral buy in terms of a stock investment. So they're not telling people to buy it or sell it, similar to a hold position. But that's definitely not good. Your company is already losing about $400 million because you don't know how to stop people from stealing. I know that's a cultural issue as well. But 
one might hire some extra security guards and actually prosecute and press charges so that people don't repeat that act, but that's just, you know, used to be common sense, but now it's mean to actually enforce the law. But you get what you vote for, and in the Target's case, you're getting you're getting exactly what you want in terms of they're not prosecuting those those thieves, so why wouldn't they stop? They won't. So the conservative estimate says they're going to lose about $400 million in theft. That's nearly half a billion dollars just walking out your front doors. How long could a business sustain that business practice? I don't know, but I wouldn't invest if that was me, if I was looking to invest in a company. And they're also trying to decide what they're going to do with some of the inventory for the targeting of children where we had pro-trans reading materials on, you know, onesies and, you know, satanic. I don't mean just metaphorically. I mean, literally satanic, where they had a keychain that said Satan, protect, Satan uh, respects pronouns, and they actually had a picture of Satan. And the, well, yeah, the designer's also a Satanist, and he looked exactly what you would like think. Now, you have all those things going on. And then you have the target diversity chief, Kira Fernandez, and she says, quote, white women get to work against American systematic racism, unquote. Which, again, if there's systematic racism, show me. There's not. I'm not saying there hasn't been racist practice in business and in the United States before. No one's going to deny that. But the United States now has the greatest opportunities for every race, conceivable race on the planet. So African Americans make more in the United States than any other country on the planet. The highest earning group in the United States are Asian Americans. Their average income, I believe, is about $78,000 a year. They're knocking it out of the park in the United States because guess what? The United States has the most opportunities for people on the planet bar none. So I can start a business here. You can revolutionize your whole life. So my family got the hell out of Cuba when Fidel took over because guess what? Communism is not profitable or is not healthy in any way. Granted, many Americans who believe in communism should probably be shipped over to Cuba for a little foreign exchange, a little experiment just to see, you know, if you want, if you want that, take a look at it firsthand and see how it works. Yeah, there's a reason no business is headquartered in Cuba. There's not a single international business headquartered there. Or really respected business. There's no Fortune 500s over there. Let's just put it that way. Now, again, this lady's statement also says white women. I feel like on average, most of those women are more left-leaning already. They're already Democrat, which is what... It's a an interesting thing, which, again, is that statement going to unite your customers and prospective customers? I mean... Again, I've yet to, I'm not saying there's no racist in America, but what are there, like 10 of them left? Like, it's just one of those things where, again, capitalism defeated racism decades ago. If I build the best business, you're going to have to have the best pool of talent, which means the greatest volume, need the greatest number of applicants. So discounting or actually limiting the number of applicants isn't cohesive to getting the best talent. It's not just morally, it's just basic math of business. But... Again, the statement is just, in my opinion, that statement is not meant to unite people. It's just meant to bifurcate the audience, to maybe stir up emotional rhetoric. And I don't see that's not going to help your stock turn around. So, again, Target is making moves, but it's still that statement as well as their stock just getting downgraded in a 23-year, just the longest losing streak in 23 years. That That's a business blunder of the day, bar none. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies. Heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.